Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the ability to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike LaPree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 75 of Screwball, believe it or not. Um, we're 25 away from episode 100, which is pretty crazy. Um, but this week we got um, some cool news, actually, some record-breaking news, along with some, you know, kind of bittersweet news, and just, you know, uh, general good stuff around baseball happening, and, you know, we're getting close to playoff time, and everything's kind of going right. You know, in baseball, I feel like, especially with our la- the last week's Field of Dream game, and we'll get into that. But first, before we get in the news, as we kind of usually do, we'll get into our topic of conversation. Again, like I always say, that Frank brings up for us and uh, that we end up talking about. Uh, this week's topic of conversation is centered around um, baseball IQ and just general baseball sense in the MLB right now. And the question proposed by Frank is, I'll, I'll hand it over to him in a sec, is basically, is baseball IQ in, in the MLB kind of going down like are there do you see more players coming up and not having a general idea of of how to play you know how to play small ball and you know steal bases hit behind runners bunt and just generally be attentive when you're out and and be able to think critically while you're out on the field I think that that's kind of I think it's a little bit of a lost art in baseball um so I'll let Frank I'll let Frank kind of handle the topic here as he always brings it up so I don't know what you're kind of thinking with this one just wanted to bring it up because um, with analytics and with you know a lot of that stuff going on, you see a lot of the IQ of baseball, I think, going down in the players, where the coaches, management, the team, they kind of give them the answers. The players don't really have the answers. It's, well, take two steps to the left, stand in this gap, move here, play up the middle. Why? Why, though? Well, just do it. You see a lot of catchers look over to the dugout and get signs all game long. Not just sometimes or whatever. You got some, some catchers like Molina. He'll look over. Don't get me wrong. Molina's catching his own game. Mm. He's calling his own game. A lot of times it's called over. Almost like a you know college, little league, minors where the, the coaches are running the show. So the players don't have to think. Right. It's kind of like uh, in football. You know, the coach is not letting the quarterback audible. You know, just okay. call the plays. We're going to call it. You just run the play. You right. just You know, there's not going to be no change in it. So the idea of that, I, I believe IQ in baseball is going down. And, and a big reason why I want to bring this up is because yesterday I watched that Dodgers game, and that was one of the worst defensive games I've ever seen. <laughs> one out guy in second base, the guy's a swing and bunt. Will Smith picks the ball up. Besides just taking the second out of first base, he should have to third base. Mm. The guy's safe. Well, one out there, you just take the out of second at first. Now there's two outs. It has to get a hit to score him. If there's no outs, okay, maybe you take that chance if you can get him out. Because now, now one, if, you, if you just take the guy out first, he's one out guy in third, he's going to score whatever, 60% of the time. Two outs, just take the out. You know, right. They'll play later in the game, very similar. Guy's not throwing to the right bases, just trucking it home. In the air. Not the idea of a one hop to the catcher. Hmm. One hop to the catcher is just as fast, but also could be cut off. The idea of not knowing what base to throw to. It just seems like it's it's the IQ of the game hitting behind runners. Sack flies. The Mets had 15 sack flies all year. They have one yesterday. Hmm. For, as a team. That's it. Dodgers in that series at five. That's just lack of awareness. 
Right. We see the Yankees early in the year not stealing bases, not hitting behind runners, swinging and missing. There's no IQ, no base running. Don't know where you're going with the base running. The you know knowing your own abilities and knowing where to go, when to make a you know, when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive. We see that with the with the Yankees a lot. We see that with a lot of teams. Just mm-hmm. the IQ of the game, the players going down. I think, especially more at, at younger players, whereas the older guys are kind of fading out because the game changed. Coaches are and, and teams and analytics have given the guys the answers instead of really kind of figuring it out. Right. So that's why I just wanted to bring that up. I just think you know, not that the players aren't smart and don't know what's going on in baseball. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes the answers are taken out of their hand or or, or not asked of them. It's right. Like, it's like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're just doing this. Oh, okay. Why, though? Instead of learning the game and learning why you're doing that, it was just like, we're just going to do this because the stats say we're going to do this. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. Like, oh, swing for the fence because that might win us. But why not hit behind the runner? Guy in second base, no outs. Just hit a ground ball to the second baseman. You know, hit a fly ball to the right side. Bunt them over. Yeah. Just you almost play your own game. I got my own stats to worry about. Well, you also got your team you're trying to win for. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> like I said, the main reason I want to bring up the Dodgers game yesterday is I saw a lot of defense. You see a lot of defense like that. Guys just not throwing to the right base or not backing up plays or, you know, just not know, just not knowing what's going on. Right. Not backing up the catcher. Or, you know, you see a lot of throws over the catcher's head. And it just seems like it's just when you break it down, you go, boy, you really should just cut that ball off or you really should just threw it to this base and just gave him that run or should really took the extra base. We've seen, you know, blue pits and the guy's not running or not knowing where to go or, you know, not knowing when to risk it, not knowing what arms to run on. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's, 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 they're true, almost controlled more like a little league team or a travel team or a young baseball team where it's like, okay, we're going to kind of tell you what to do. You just got to kind of do it. Yeah. Instead of really digesting the game, not really having to be told to hit behind the runner. You just know it hit behind the runner or you just know to take that extra base. And the teams that do that the best the knowledge of the game are usually the better teams. Yeah. As you true. see, you know, the Astros, they don't strike out. They do stuff. They're still a better team. Dodgers, I know yesterday their defense was, was not great, but for the most part, they're usually aggressive on the base pass. The, the Padres, they usually, you know what I mean? They seem like they, a lot of those guys and those teams kind of seem to know what's going on. But you have a lot of other teams that are just like being overcoached sometimes by the organization and by analytics. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that have that problem. And it just seems to be a trend in baseball. I don't think it's it's a one-team thing anymore. I think it's just it's kind of made its way to a lot of front office uh, people. And then, you know, there's a lot of front, front office change that we may not even see as baseball fans. You know, people get moved around, and you get the guy behind the, the computer that's now with the Cardinals, and he was with the Blue Jays or something like that. And it just, you know, things happen. And it's just the general direction of baseball. And that's fine, you know, in, in – in certain cases, I don't have a problem with it, but you know, I don't mind analytics being intertwined with old school baseball, but when, like you said, you know, it just seems like they're the computer is telling them what to do and the, the player's not actively out there. I mean, again, and you said it too, these guys aren't dumb. They're MLB players. They've been around the game for a long time in their life and they are smarter than the average bear when it comes to baseball. You know, they're generally going to outthink most guys that are in, low a or, or high a now or whatever so I, I do think that they're they're sharp and and the coaches are sharp and and I, you know you got to give them credit but i think at the end of the day the average player now probably doesn't have the baseball iq as a guy that played in the 70s and that's not to say that these players now aren't more athletic or more this or more that it's just the general sense of of playing the game you know you're, you're taught at a young age 
to manufacture runs. I don't know how they teach kids now with the analytics to get their, you know, just to get the barrel out and, and get their, uh, you know, launch angle high or something like that. But you know, it, when you learn the game, you learn fundamentals. And, and I think that the game sometimes need to just be simplified back down to that fundamentals, because like you said, fundamentals have kind of gone away as well. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is against the shift. We see, it's just like I said, the guys have the IQ. It's just almost like, um, when you have a skill or a talent, you know, if you haven't rode a bike in a while, mm-hmm. until you forget it, you're just like, whoa, for a second. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how these guys are. Not that they don't know the IQ and don't know the game. They're just, they're not made to think about it as much. Right. It's just kind of told to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's like the IQ of the game just seems to be going down, I mm-hmm. think, as a player. And I don't know. Maybe it's just I took more notice of it this year. But it just seems like a more general defense kind of going down and, Everyone trying to make the superstar play instead of making the smart baseball play. It's trying to make the superstar play and trying to make the big home run. And right. Instead of, you know, just kind of doing what the smartest baseball play is. Right. You know, fitting in to your, your baseball role instead of being the superstar. and Everyone's got to be a superstar on every team. It just seems like that's kind of going down. Mm-hmm. That IQ, that real knowledge of the game. Yeah. You know, you, who do you look at in the MLB now and say, oh, he could, he could be a manager. That's true. You know. Molina, guys like that, because they're a little bit more old school. You can say the vets, you know. Yeah, like I, I'm not gonna sit here and you know, like Javier Baez ain't gonna be managing my baseball team. You know, it's something like that. You know, it's got to be someone with a high IQ. We seen <laughs> with the Pirates, first baseman just not knowing to go step on first base. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just the IQ going down because it's not made made of them to think of the game as much. It's more just told do this. But the yeah. deep details, the in-between-the-lines details aren't really brought to the players or mm. thought of by the players as much. just thought that was kind of an interesting topic. And it really brought on by yesterday, um, just watching that Sunday Night Baseball game with Dodgers defense not being great. Some of the stats about the Mets, 15 sack flies all year. And obviously their offense is way down. That makes sense. Mm. Just not playing the game smart on and, offense. And us being Yankee fans, we've seen it all year and all last year, the, the shift towards analytic to it. For a team that, that can just buy – Really, whoever they want, if they want to, and they're like the they're pl- and they're playing like the race. It's like it, you know, so, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just the that idea, just as like I said, a lot more controlled, right? By coaches and 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 in the front offices and analytics, uh, more than the really the pitchers really or the players really knowing what's going on and just kind of team owners runs themselves. You just got the coaches just there to call some signs and you know tell them who's playing and who's pitching when. As much as like, hey, you got to move here, you got to do this, you got to do this. Hey, remember, you got to steal here. Hey, remember, hit behind the runner. Mm. Just seems more that way instead of being like just second nature to these some of these guys. Yeah, it seems like the the old school portion of baseball and the the one hundred and one baseball, the things that just every MLB player should know. Now it's set in a little spacey. Like maybe some guys just have a big power bat, and that's all they're they're you know they're used for, and that's you know that's just what they do. Three outcome player and all that. And I think that there is the the higher expectation of a player to hit. I mean, it's always been if you can hit in the show, you, you're in. You know, the defense is always I always thought generally thought of as the second. If you ha- if you're a great defender, that's just that's gravy. If you're a great I defender, know, but position. if you, but if you can, well, yeah, that's true too. Because especially shortstop. back then, shortstop was yeah. if you could defend, then you could bat two twenty and play great defense and yeah. find a spot. Kind of same thing with catcher. You know, if you can if you can just bat, you know, like you know guys like. Uh, Guys like Gary Sanchez, just as a quick example, like he doesn't really bat very high, but he hits home runs and he he plays okay defense, you know. So if you could just be your back, the, the good backstop and hit a decent average, you know. 
but generally like you know you, you've seen guys in the past um that that can just field and not really hit and they usually don't make it because they can't you know they don't provide much in the lineup so but i think that's even more steps forward now that it's kind of like well if you play average to to you know generally you could even play below average defense but if you can hit who cares you know that's how a lot of people think and granted i value offense over defense but if you're out there i'd rather have a net out there than you then you know there's a problem it also you know? matters how the team's set up too mm-hmm. i got five offensive guys i don't need you know i don't need to keep getting offensive guys maybe i get a guy who's more speed or a guy with more defense mm-hmm. helps you know kind of round off the team instead of just stacking up one spot right you know, stacking up my offense, but my defense is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that kind of concept in even football, you see. Mm. Well, my offense is great. Well, my defense giving up 50 points a game, but they ain't going to matter. Yeah, it's because I'm scoring so much, yeah. So you got you to gotta make sure, you know, you kind of round off your team. But it's just that IQ, that baseball knowledge. I think it's 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 kind of going down play by play, you know, in the in the league. Just, uh, you know, that's what I think. Maybe yeah. it's not. I don't know. I, I just think from watching baseball a lot every year, and multiple teams around the league just seems that way. You yeah. see a lot more things like, what are you, how could, where are you, what are you thinking there? Why would you do that? Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, that makes, I see a lot more people, a lot, a lot more plays where I'm like, what are you doing? Then I'm like, well, I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Used yeah. To. Yeah. 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 Instead of being impressed, like, wow, that was really, that was a good idea. I can't believe they did that. You know, or, a, you know, uh, just seeing a play that we, I mean, granted we're, we're probably, I'd say more, into baseball than the average fan but still i don't you're right though i don't feel surprised often you know i feel like oh yeah that was stupid why'd you do that you know why was that the decision over over this which is pretty again baseball 101 you know so i i'm in agreement with with you um you know i I just think that the it's like we always go back to i think the balance of analytics and old school baseball and just kind of let the the players play and let the kids play but in a different way I think that there's a lot of value in that and analytics are good too. It's not like we, we hate analytics. It's just that uh, it seems like there's over coaching and over, there's an over emphasis on the, the people in the front office, as opposed to just let the players get on the field and let them figure it out. They're, they're good. They're MLB players. They're not babies. They can play the game. You know, they're here for a reason. There's not many people that get to play in the MLB, you know, so you got to kind of just let them, let them be them, you know, and stop, forcing yourself on these players yeah you know and you see you know like people had their thoughts about tony Larusa. was he gonna be able to work out with a young team like that and you see granted their division is exactly the most competitive in baseball but they've worked out fine and that's a guy it. who's got some of the greatest if not the best baseball iq up there with show walter and guys like that yep so but also old school guys as you can see been around the game a long time and kind of know the ins and out of everything yeah so it, it can work and it has proven to work and uh I don't know. I just, uh, I just think that uh, baseball needs to just um, take a step back and look at itself and say, hey, you know, we can play one-on-one baseball, and that's okay. We can have a guy with a 300 average. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, with that, I think we should get into the news segment of the podcast. So, uh, first piece of news is really cool, uh, really record-breaking news. We kind of been flirting with for a while. But uh, Tyler Gilbert for the Diamondbacks has thrown the eighth no-hitter of the year against the Padres. Breaking the record for one year in the, for one year uh, amount of no hitters in the modern era. This was also Tyler Gilbert's first career start, which makes him part of a very you know exclusive club of only four now four <laughs> to throw a no hitter uh, in their first career start. You've if you heard of some of these guys, good for you. But uh, the other three are Theodore 
Breitenstein or Breitenstein. What year was that? 1891. Thank you. <laughs> Number two was Bumpus Jones uh, yeah, in 1892, the next year. Bumpus on the bump. Yeah, <laughs> Bumpus on the bump. And the third one is Bo- uh, Bobo Holloman in 1953. Bobo. Uh, so it hasn't been done since 1953, first of all. And then before that, there was only one done in, in the live ball era. So In the 1900s. Uh, yeah, exactly. So very cool stat there. Good for him. I know his, I, I seen the clip uh, just before of his, his dad was there, his yeah, parents. It, was, it, it looked like cool. his maybe his grandpa or something like that, yeah, an uncle. Really cool. or Yeah, so good for him. Uh, hopefully, I think he's already 27. I think he's a little bit older. Yeah, I think it was um, his third time pitching in the majors or fourth time pitching. It was just that was his first start. And then with a team that's, you know, I think it was, um, if not the record, I think it was one of the lowest win percentage for a team to throw a no hitter of all time, like a 313 win percentage or something like that. So great news for Diamondbacks fans and a little glimmer of hope and, and a miserable season out there. So, yeah. you know, it was just something pretty cool to see. Yeah, and he'll always be attached to baseball history now, no matter where he yep. goes from here. So he could, he could, uh, he could retire tomorrow and he'll be in the history books. So good for him. It's cool. Uh, number two is as one is entering, one's leaving. Chris Davis is retiring. Uh, last week, Orioles Chris, the Orioles Chris Davis, not Chris Davis with a K. Uh, he officially retired after a few seasons, marred in injuries and uh, really a fall from grace uh, from his from his you know his 2013 uh, 2014 kind of time with the Orioles. He was signed to a very lucrative contract, and while the majority of the contract will be paid off next year, the contract has deferrals all the way out until 2037. He's being deferred uh, payment out till. And Benia will still be paid <laughs> Which after, is, after he gets paid. This is just tremendous. So, so uh, we wish Chris Davis the best. Um, obviously, he uh, had some years where he hit 50 home runs. He had some really years where he was a feared hitter at the plate. But, um, you know, the rest of it, the you know, the last few years really, really, really hasn't worked out I for him. So five, maybe a little longer, maybe ten years, if he'd make a comeback at Orioles, Camden Yards or something. Um, if he would be brought back, yeah, what would be the reception? Like if if they brought him back, they had like a reunion or you know, just brought some former players back or something. If he would be, you know, if they would ask him to bring back, or if he did get back, what his ovation would be after awfulness with the contracts at the end there. Yeah, you know, because he but he helped put them back on the map. I was gonna say, in the time he was there, he was there with you know, you had Nelson Cruz there, and and Manny Machado was there, and you had, yeah, I Adam mean, Jones. You, you had a really good Oriole team that almost made Delton it to the Young. World Series. Yeah, oh my gosh, Matt Weeders. They they had some very good years, and he Matt should he, in those times <laughs> he should be proud of the team he was with and how he played. But the most recent memory of, of him is just him being paid a lot to do nothing. So absolutely um, nothing. So maybe in time, you know, they'll welcome him back and be like, "Hey, he was really part of some good teams." But man, he'll still be getting paid well after he's he's retired here. So uh, in that way, good for him. He made out with his money. But uh, yeah, so we wish him the best in retirement. But uh, you know, maybe the Orioles, you know, after next year, they, I think he gets paid twenty two million dollars. So that'll be some some money off their back. Maybe they can, as their prospects start to come up, they can start spending again. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, they're not doing the best right now. So. Uh, third piece of news here is uh, Honus Wagner is in the news. Ah. The T206 Honus Wagner card dating back to 1909 has sold at auction for $6.6 million, making it the most valuable sports card of all time. Uh, the bidding opened at $1 million and went all the way up past the 1952 Mickey Mantle card that sold for $5.2 million just earlier this year. And so the expected Babe Ruth card. 
Right. It was expected to break the record. I think it was like 5.5. I don't know if that ever went up or what the details are of that, but that was expected to go this year too, 1933. Right, um, right. Babe Ruth's technical, technically rookie card. I'm not going to get into why it's a rookie card, but yeah, I mean, Honus Ragnar card, obviously, so everyone knows that. Um, but it was awesome to see that in the news. Um, actually, as cards of all types of collections, but especially sports cards, um, the market through the roof since um, – since beginning of 2020. Is that right? Yeah, the market's through the roof. You've seen Pokemon cards go nuts. Oh, yeah, that's true. Card trading cards and sports memorabilia market has went through the roof. Yeah. So if you're sitting on some cards, maybe now's the time to start thinking about selling if you want yeah. you know, if you want to capitalize on the market. If not, hold on to them and see what happens. But, yeah, uh, very cool. Obviously, Honus Wagner was always kind of the considered the uh, holy grail of cards if you had a Honus oh, Wagner. because. Yeah. Uh, I read briefly on it. I may be misquoting, but I believe they only had it in cigarette packs for just a, a few years with Honus Wagner. Um, so not only was it rare to get them, but it was also rare because of how short-lived the, the run was in the, in the cigarette packs. Um, and kids generally couldn't, I mean, yeah. you know, well, rules you, were a little looser yeah. back then, but kids generally couldn't just get, it wasn't like when it was been packs of gum. You could just yeah, go get packs of it gum. It just goes, you know, the card just goes away goes on someone's table and falls down and goes away and they throw it out and all the other crap so you don't yeah. have them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible, um, I believe it was only graded three. I mean, it's a great shape. The grading system's incredibly hard, but, I mean, you find one of them, you're talking a million bucks right out the window. Easy. Just, just Easy. find one. Yeah. It's like, oh, here it is. Here's a million bucks. It's yeah. Done. Right there. You got it. You're just like, all right, I'm all right. Yeah, when I read the article, I believe there was only 50 or 60 known at all. So if you have one, even if it's a little tarnished and could be graded to low degree you're you're, like zero you're gonna get a million bucks yeah so i mean you know if you got one maybe start thinking about if you need some money <laughs> yeah i'll give you five bucks for it <laughs> so um some other news i got here uh spencer torkelson reporter of the triple a one of baseball's top prospects so that's pretty cool the mlb has announced or has been you know in rumors with for a while but actually been talking about more recently working on tanking and how to prevent that and how to get most every team at least staying somewhat competitive, kind of what you want to see. We seen with the Mariners or we seen with Detroit where they're like, Hey, we kind of know where we're at, but we also look playing pretty good. Mm-hmm. So they can just kind of keep everyone kind of like that instead of preventing teams. I also lose for hundred straight losses for five straight years on purpose. Uh, Cubs, Astros, you know what we're seeing with the Orioles. Um, so baseball's working on that. Um, it will be, especially with the CBA coming up. That's what makes it the big news. Mm, right. um, and last little bit of news here, we had Mets break a record <laughs> yesterday. Mets broke the record for most consecutive games without a triple with 68 games and counting. That's weird. That's a relatively big ballpark in the gaps. I was just going to say, they have a kind of a big ballpark. It's not like they have like Yankee Stadium or Baltimore or... Uh, I don't even know. It would be another small ballpark. But, yeah, they have a. Uh, it's on the bigger side. They even had to move the fences in when it was first built. It yeah, was a yeah. big ballpark. Um, and you got some other stadiums in the division. Marlins. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Atlanta's new stadium's relatively straight up. But even Citizens Bank Park, the way it bounces off the left center, it's usually a triple. So, I mean, Nationals Park, I guess, is just kind of straight up as well with Atlanta's new stadium, but just a couple stadiums in the division that you play all the time. You'd think, hey, you'd get, get triple once yeah, in a while. Get something, yeah. Yeah. And they don't have uh, just a team of slow guys. You know, they have um, generally kind of speedy guys. Not speedy guys like the, you have base stealers, but you have guys that can run. So, I, I don't know, yeah. maybe just... Fordo, McNeil, Lindor. 
Yeah, maybe balls and bounced their way or something. I don't know. Yeah, so. But that was just a small little news I wanted to, you know, I seen it yesterday. Again, of course, with the Sunday Night Baseball, I seen that they broke their record. And I'm like, well, there you go. That's why they're struggling on offense. They don't sec flies. They don't triples. I mean, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's an anal- probably an analytical team right there. So the wrap-up we have uh, left here in the news is who's doing the best right now. Uh, the Giants still own the best record in the league at 76-42, and 42, pretty far, far and away ahead with the Dodgers and the Brewers right behind them in the NL with the Dodgers at 72 and 46 and the Brewers at 72 and 47. Two of those teams I had no idea would be on this list in August. So good for them, I guess. <laughs> um, over in the AL, the Rays hold the best record again, just a team I didn't think would be here. Uh, Rays hold the best record at 71 and 47 with the Astros right behind them at 70 and 47. Uh, Dodgers on the best run differential in the league at plus 193 and the Orioles on the worst at minus 207. So no more Diamondbacks. The Orioles, uh, I believe, are on an 11-game losing streak and now on the worst run differential at minus 207. And i got to be honest, these these we've had some bad teams this year with the Orioles and Diamondbacks and Rangers and these teams. But i got to say, the Diamondbacks never made sense to me. They have talent. And the Orioles, to be fair, we see them a lot as Yankee fans. They have talent. They're not like... They're, granted, they're not good. No, I'm not going to sit here and defend them. But to be this bad it doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, I think it, if you're understanding kind of what I'm... Yeah, they're margin in an awful spot with the division. Well, that's... Four teams in the playoff race. That's true. They do get beat up on a lot. Race. Yeah. Then, you, oh, oh, we don't have to play our division? Who we got to go play? Oh, let's go play the White Sox. Yeah. Let's go play the Astros, the A's, the Angels. <laughs> yeah. Even the Angels are 500, but it's still a talent. Right. So just more in bad situation. Yeah, and they don't really have pitching. And you if know, you face the people at the wrong time, in a wrong stretch, it's just... In a hitter-friendly ballpark, you have teams come to town like the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Blue Jays who have an unbelievable run differential. They're just going to mash in, in Camden Yards. So, you know, I get it, but I don't understand why they're this bad is what I'm trying to... I just don't, yeah. you know... Because yeah. they got Cedric Mullins having a fantastic year. Right, Mountcastle's great. Trey Mancini's great. You know, and the, you know, you'd think if you have some stars like that, you'd figure some games out. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm just yeah, trying to give them some love here. Yeah, they'll be all right soon. We'll yeah, yeah. With Adley I'm, Rushman, I believe was the number one prospect he was named. So, yeah, so they'll be good soon, though. If you, <laughs> you can just wait for them. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> some other teams I got here that are hot. Uh, the Rays, obviously. The Yankees playing well. The Twins finally. But that's you know they're like 30 games out. So that's yeah. a little too late. A little too um, late. A's playing well. Braves red hot. Cardinals red hot, eight and two over the last ten. Mm-hmm. I told somebody uh, dead, they thought I was crazy. I said, "Watch Cardinals, ten games out of the division, they'll come back and win that thing. <laughs> Four games out of the wild card, don't don't make the playoffs, go nuts, go to the World Series. You know how it goes. <laughs> It'll be Cardinals, Giants, and the NLCS. It'd be insane. Exactly, how everybody in twenty twenty one. Cardinals made more sense, but Giants, yeah, no. Yeah, I don't. So, and then obviously, the Giants mm-hmm. playing well. So, um, some cold teams here, um, as we already mentioned, the Orioles, the Royals. The Mets, the Nationals, Cubs, second 11-game losing streak of the year, and the Pirates. Some of that makes sense, some of it doesn't, but those are some cold teams that are really um, at a low mark in the season. Yep. Mets, I mean, they're a game over 500. That went division. From, they went from first, and in three days they went to third, and then like five days they went to a game over 500. That division stinks. <laughs> best division in baseball, they said. Yeah, I know. That's not true at all. Yeah, they're no. not the best division in baseball. No. I think they're probably the worst. Well... AL Central is bad. Other than the White Sox, is relatively bad, but they're not far behind. No, and we—I mean, even we thought you know the Nationals would be okay. I mean, they sold, so it, it is what it is. But thought they'd be okay. Phillies be okay. Mets be okay. We thought the Braves would be really, really good. 
And they're just they've just been meddling all season. They're finally sole possession of first. Yeah, after going, I've been talking them up all they're year. They're gonna go nuts. Jorge Soleros has been just the infield's gonna have thirty home runs. Every guy I know. in the infield. It's gonna be the first time ever. <laughs> I know. Uh, I mean that's unbelievable. Yeah, Freeman, Swanson, Austin Riley, Ozzy yeah, Albies. Yeah, Ozzy Albies. Yeah. I mean you're in a whole infield, it's the first time ever. They're gonna they're on pace for it. Yep. I mean what do you I mean, it's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, the talent's finally shining through for a lot of teams too. You know, the And the they're getting team. some health. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, the Mets just can't seem to get on that side of it. You know, they're always on the injured side of it, unfortunately. Yeah. So and then when they're healthy they're bad. Let's just get right down it. Cavorto's having the worst year you could possibly ask. Lindor's been terrible. McNeil's a two sixty hitter. I mean, you say that's not too bad, but he should be three hundred. Jay Davis is actually hitting the ball relatively well. Defensively, not great. <laughs> James well, McCann's offense is a little bit down than you would kind of expected. Pete Alonso's kind of doing all right. Dominic mm. Smith, I don't think, is hitting enough power as he really should be. Yeah. Then your center field position, you just never really expect much. I mean, Brandon Nimmo, he's doing all right. Mm. Pilar, I mean, I don't know. And the pitching can't get healthy. And the bullpen's yeah. just, it's the Mets bullpen. It's just not what it was going to be. So Edwin Diaz yeah. relatively having a pretty good year compared to what he's been having. So yeah. you can't really complain there. But the rest of the guys are, you know. Seth yeah. Lugo hasn't stepped up after coming back. I, I don't know. It's just a mess. That's how the Mets are. But. Yeah, that division just, it was really any of them for the taking. If any of those teams really, like, had, like, a real, altogether had a good year, really could have taken that division and just ran with it. The Mets would be in every newspaper, every major headline, if it wasn't this year for that division. That's how bad they've been. They're one game over 500, but they've been ma- masked by the mm. Yankees. But the Yankees are 13 games over right now at this point. But they're in the but most competitive the division. A game, two, three, what is it, two and a half out of the division now? Still? Yeah, something like that. But yeah. they've been really that bad. Right. But since they're still in the hunt and they're in first place for a while, they don't think they think about it. If right. that was a normal year, that team's, you know, first place team's got 68 wins and the Mets would be 10, 12 games out, it would be right. panic button, people getting, who knows, fired, owners already giving up the team, who the hell knows what's going on because the Mets always have some sort of emergency issues going on over there. But, you, could, you could take any of the AL East team and throw them in the NL East and to almost immediately be in first, you know. Yeah. So that's how that division's been all year. I just don't. Cardinals would be in first. I think they're four or five games over 500, and they're 10 out of the, their division. They'd be in first in that division. Yeah, the Reds right ahead of them in yeah. that same division would be, like, cruising in, in that at least. It's weird. Like the Nationals were, like, seven games back, and they're awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got rid of their whole team just about. So, so I don't know. It's just it's, it's good. Yeah. It's the Mets. <laughs> it's the Mets baseball. So. Well, with that, why don't we get into our who's hot and who's not section of the show. So... We'll start off with the hot players. There's only one hot hitter I have because Tyler Gilbert obviously was the hot the player of the week for the NL. Yeah, I'm um, so the the number one hot player I have and the AL player of the week to Oscar Hernandez batted 500 over the last week with an eight 893 slugging and a 1393 OPS. Number two, I have Josh Rojas, a 476 average over the last week with an 857 slugging and a 1379 OPS. Number three is Michael Conforto. With a 450 average over the last week, a 700 slugging, and an 1176 OPS. Number four, Dansby Swanson. 435 average, a 957 slugging, and a 1418 OPS over the last week. And finally, RBI extraordinaire Jesus Aguilar <laughs> is batting 429 over the last week with an 857 slugging and a 1357 OPS. Incredible. Well, <laughs> Braces and all. Yeah, leading the league in RBIs and a team that's... What, bottom five in runs scored, but he's leading the league in RBIs. Incredible. I don't know. <laughs> um, some other hitters here, Jose Abreu, Matt Chapman on a hot streak, Ty France, I believe you mentioned, Dancy Swanson, mm-hmm. um, and Whit Merrifield. Those are some guys I had thrown in there. Um, 
you know, that you, that you didn't have on yours. Um, some pitchers, uh, obviously Tyler Gilbert, there's no hitter. Tristan McKenzie mm-hmm. on the nine-year anniversary of Felix Hernandez, his perfect game, which was the last perfect game we've seen. He almost threw a perfect game. He was four outs away. So that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Jay Happ, last two starts, been really good. Uh, Mark Gonzalez, complete game, one run. And Joe Barlow, three or four innings out of the bullpen for the Royals and a couple saves over the last seven days. So he's been doing pretty good. Okay. There's some pitchers there that are doing uh, pretty well. All right. Good for them. Uh, moving on to the cold list, the who's not section of the of who's on who's not. Uh, number one, Framil Reyes. Uh, .050 average over the last week, a .050 slugging, and a .258 OPS. A franimal. <laughs> he's a maniac. Uh, number two, Mark Hanna. A .087 average over the last week with a .261 slugging and a .453 OPS. Number three, Nelson Cruz. A .125 average over the last week with a .292 slugging and a .484 OPS. Number four, David Bode. .130 average over the last week, a .261 slugging and a .428 OPS. And number five, Manny Machado had a .136 average over the last week, a .136 slugging and a .345 OPS. I must say, they're cold. Don't get me wrong, they're not hitting great. But I've seen much worse cold lists. Oh, yeah. There's been people 0 for 20, 0 for I was 19. Surprised. You look down and you had a bunch of guys at least in the hundreds. Usually right. you have like 30 guys who are under 100. You're like, yeah. This week at least, like their coldest guy, Framil Reyes, had a 258 OPS, which is not a great average. Like it's an okay average, but let alone an OPS, it's not great. But like we've seen people with almost like a zero OPS for the yeah, week. So yeah. you know, there's something there. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned some of these cold guys. I got some other guys. Uh, a bunch of these guys are actually on my fantasy team, which is funny. I did win this week, though, so somehow. But uh, Austin Meadows, Josh Bell, you mentioned Morcana. I have all three of those on my team. They're all cold, so go me. Uh, Brad Miller struggling, and uh, Andrew McCutcheon. There's some guys, some hitters um, struggling. Um, some pitchers, you're talking uh, Matt Barnes, been struggling for a little while. Zach Britton getting beat up. Hmm. Uh, Carlos Carrasco got destroyed yesterday. Jose Barrios. And uh, Jake Arrieta, who's actually designated for assignment, and the Padres actually signed him today to a minor league deal, but he's been pitching awful all yeah. year, and bad last year, and really the year before, not great either. I think he has like a, almost a 70 RA this year, just yeah. terrible. Yeah, so, not great. No, no, but, not at all. The next, uh, to get into the next thing, we're going to some injuries. Not the worst week we've had, so that's that's always good. We've had a couple decent weeks in a row, injury news-wise. Of course, George Springer was playing great. He left the game early. He's trying to get MRIs on his ankle and whatnot. Alberto Mondesi, the little bit he's played this year has been great, but another setback in his rehab. Uh, Luis Severino, another setback. You know him, he'll never pitch again. You got Carl Pavano disease or something for the Yankees, <laughs> or Nick Johnson, something. <laughs> uh, Carlos Rodon placed on the IL, you know, shoulder fatigue. They said uh, MRI came back. It's just shoulder fatigue, which is great. Kim for the Cardinals, placed on the IL. I always I, we talk about this guy every week almost at this point and I never get his name right. Uh, Aloy's Lay, Aloy's Lay for the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. him. <laughs> he uh, on the IL. Joe Ross partially tear UCL, so Tommy John's probably gonna go his way, which is really a shame because he's been pitching pretty well. Right. Um, but there you go with him. Uh, Javier Baez placed on the IL with a hip issue. Kyle Tucker on the IL and Julio Urias placed on the IL. On the better side of the news, you got the Yankees uh, mostly getting healthy from their COVID and whatnot. Uh, Cole back today. Sanchez expected back tomorrow. Uh, Jordan Montgomery expected back tomorrow. Uh, we have uh, Rizzo expected back later this week, and Yershella probably back early next week. So okay. they're all kind of getting healthy at the same time. Chris Sale finally back. Pitched five innings, eight strikeouts. Thank God he's back. <laughs> um, looked great. Two home runs. That was really all he gave up. Yeah. But eight strikeouts, no walks. Doing 95 miles per hour. Looked great. Um, but back. 
So we can finally take him off our injury list, hopefully. Uh-huh. Um, Trout, they said they're not shutting down, but not really progressing as fast as they wanted. Um, Been out since May. Yeah. Uh, Yanoa for the Braves. Expect this pitch in the next couple days uh, for the Braves. Uh, DeGrom shut down two more weeks. Uh, Francisco Lindor, uh, he said he doesn't need a rehab game. He thinks he can come back right now. Um, so the talk ob- is he'll be back in the next couple days. From an oblique strain. Uh, and a guy who's batting 220. Maybe you should go get some minor league games. Maybe feel good about yourself. <laughs> but the Mets can't wait around. So I guess they're in a tough spot. Yeah, that's uh, true. Jack Flaherty back. Activated and pitched the other day. Uh, Fernando Tatis back playing outfield. Uh, says it's, yes, outfield, you're less involved every play than a shortstop. But if you do dive in the outfield, the pressure on that arm is way more than you are in the infield. Right, right. You're diving in the outfield full speed and in the air. While the infield, you're going down to the ground. But yet, you are less involved as an outfielder than you are as a shortstop. You're getting every ball, you're cutting bases and stuff like that. But if the dive and running into the wall, mm. so that risk is there. But so I don't know if you could say that it's more to save his arm or her shoulder for the year. I don't yeah. know. I think it's more like, hey, uh, we have a guy, Cronenworth, someone who could play shortstop that's not going to make 38 errors already. I think Tatis has, what, 27? He's got a lot, yeah. So mm. maybe we're like, mm, play outfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so, throw out there. You'll be all right. Yeah, so I think that was more of it. Um, Kershaw playing catch. Cueto playing catch. Expected, they're both expected to be back here maybe um, you know, late August, beginning of September. Mm. So it was relatively good news for a lot of contenders here. Okay. Yeah, good for them. Um you know, you know, you always like to see the better side of the news or just a general short list, you know, for yeah. whatever it is. Longer you know, back so. half of our list is usually a good thing. Yeah, that means yeah. a lot of guys are more returning than going out. Yeah, so I mean, who do we have left? Uh, obviously, Acuna's out for the year, but if Trout can come back at some point, you, know, you got I one mean, of the stars. Yeah, Rendon's out for the year. I mean, we can go into the, there's a bunch of guys, but at least we're having better news on some of these guys. Right. So yeah. that's always good. Yeah. Yeah. To get to our last, you know, segment here or section, um, is a trivia question. And this week's trivia question is, Joe Musgrove threw a no-hitter this year, and with Tyler Gilbert's no-hitter, he had one thrown against him the same year. Who was the last pitcher to do that? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, and it was relatively recent. So the last pitcher to have a throw a no-hitter and have a no-hitter thrown against him in the same year was in 2015. It was July 25th, 2015. Jake Arrieta. He, Cole, when Cole Hamels threw his no-hitter against him, that was the last time. Or yeah, I end up throwing a no hitter later on that year, but still. Um, so the first pitcher or the last, the last pitcher to have a no hitter thrown against him, and he threw a no hitter in the same year was Jake Arrieta in 2015, before obviously Saturday when Musgrove had happened to him. Yep. Um, and he joined a list of the following guys. Hmm. 2015 Arietta was the last one. 2013 Tim Lincecum. 1963 Juan Marichal. 1962 Bo Belinsky. 1951, Bob Feller. 1947, Bill McCann- McConaughey. 1944, Jim Tobin. 1970, Eddie Sicotti. 1906, Mal Eason. Then you get to these guys. Yeah, oh yeah. 1883, One Arm Daily. Oh my God. And 1880, Pud Galvin. I just had to, I had to go through that list because he had One Arm Daily, Pud Galvin, even Mal Eason. That's two separate Mal Eason. Mm. Just, it just sounds like one name, Mal Eason. Great. It's like. A Key and Peel skit where the names just get more ridiculous. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. One arm daily. Yeah, yeah. He, what, what, uh, construction noise. Remember that guy from the that, that Key and Peel? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was construction just, noise. <laughs> he just opened his mouth and it was just like a jackhammer. Yeah, yeah, it was just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like those guys were playing back then. Yeah, Everyone one just, arm daily. Yeah. Yeah, so again, just to go over the trivia question. Uh, this year, 
Joe Musgrove threw a no-hitter, also had one thrown against him, who was the last pitcher before him to have that happen to him in the same year, and that was in 2015 with Jake Arrieta. Yeah, it's a good one, um, but I'm I'm going to look up. I have to look up one arm daily. <laughs> yeah, one arm daily. I, uh, I said before, you, you know, we talked about Bumpus. Yeah, yeah, Bumpus yeah. Jones, Bumpus on the bump. Yeah, I, I didn't, and I didn't know this guy spelled his last name Daly like Daily News. That was D A L E Y, no, like a like, normal person, like Daly. It's yeah, like, you know, it's the Daily Grind. <laughs> right. He was. His name was Hugh Daly, and he was born in 1847. He lived, it looks like, uh, six. He lived 66 years, something like that. He only played five years. Born in Ireland, of course. A great five years. So the first thing. When you get on the page is his nickname, because everyone wants to know why he was named One Arm Daily. Of course. Um, so it was in reference to his left left arm. This is all quoting from Wikipedia, by the way. So Which is a great source. Yeah, you can just kind of take it with a grain of salt almost sometimes. So he lost his left hand to a gun accident earlier in his life. And to compensate for his injury, he fixed a special pad over the affected area and caught the baseball by trapping it between the pad and his right hand. Sometimes after long games of having to catch the baseball this way, his stump would become sensitive. <laughs> So sensitive, in fact, that he once punched his catcher for not heeding <laughs> his warning to throw balls back to him softer. He was known for his bad disposition, and he was described as having a volatile temper. Others, other sources add to that mean, contemptuous, and uncommunicative. While his behavior, behavior was not well-liked by the baseball establishment, he was popular with the home crowds <laughs> because his verbal tirades against umpires and opposing players alike. Incredible. He, what a man. I tell you what, imagine having him versus Ty Cobb. Oh, my God. They were just like, look at the teams he played for. Buffalo Bisons, Cleveland Blues, St. Louis Maroons. They played for the Washington Nationals in 1886. Cleveland Blues. Had a 2.92 ERA in his career. Incredible. The game of baseball is just incredible. It's like three (laughs) different sports. You got a guy who just punched his own catcher and goes nuts. And he's, it's the same game as we're watching right today. Garrett Cole's on the mound, and we got guys punching people with a pad on his on his on his nub. I know. It, there's just such a there's such a disconnect in old baseball to now. It it's just it, the world was so different. But I just noticed this as I'm reading this. There's no specific date in which he died. It just says after 1923. So if you go on Wikipedia, it says born July 17th, 1847 in Ireland. It says died unknown. Last confirmed alive in 1923. So who knows when he really died? It's just. He died at some point after 1923. We yeah. don't know what happened well, to him. He could have lived until 1950s. Sure. Yeah, if he, you know, if he was... Uh, you tell me you couldn't find the guy with one, one hand. Yeah, with, with the stump, with the, you know... You'd think you would at least uh, narrow down your population. Yeah, I know. An Irishman with one hand. Yeah. But bad, well, bad temper would narrow down with the Irishman, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he drank a few too, right? No, sure. No, it couldn't have been him, no. <laughs> so, but uh, that's just... that's that's. They should be... You know, Feel the Dreams was great. Mm. It was great. It was it was a great uh, game and record breaking and all that stuff. They should bring back a game a series where the guys got to play with some of these old rules and bats and balls and st- just oh now that would be exciting. Just one game, like an expedition game or something. Yeah, where it th- yeah it doesn't count towards anything. It's just like that should get... be the all star game. Oh, just just uh... so you can really bring back the old one arm daily and just nuts. That'd be amazing. Oh, be absolutely man. amazing. What a what a great. What a, that'd be great. But uh. Yeah, the Field of Dreams was awesome. Coming yeah. Out, coming out of the corn was, was great. And I thought that was unbelievable. Um, field looked great. Um, I'm glad they're going to go back there every year. Um, this week, we got the Williamsport they're going to play at. Yep. But um, Who's playing there again? Who are the two Angels teams? and the Cleveland Indians. 
So okay. the kids got a little short end of the stick. I mean, the Angels, you got Otani, yeah, but you would have had Rendon and Trout and Pujols at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that was probably now the thought. Otani and maybe Trout will be around. And the Indians, you know, you know shot at Lindor, but then that kind of went away. Uh, Bieber is hurt, so maybe he won't be around. Um, so you got Jose Ramirez and maybe Fred Reyes, but um, still great, still great. But uh, also, uh, today is actually, I believe, it was the 73rd anniversary of uh, Babe Ruth's death. Wow. Um, what's crazy is you don't hear a word about it now, Babe. Yeah, it is weird. You'd think they would say something about that because you know he was, was, is, will be the greatest baseball player of all time. I didn't even see that today. No, the Hall of Fame posted it I said oh okay um, there should be I think there should have been a thing before every game a short little stoppage because he is the greatest he is baseball yeah so just just weird how some players would get that recognition mm-hmm. but Babe Ruth never did even when his number not even getting retired mm-hmm. I don't know just didn't make much sense to me I guess and as far as I know I mean we both I feel like you probably know almost surely know more about Ruth than me but I feel like the guy, like if they wanted to distance himself from his behavior, it's like a Ty Cobb where he's really like, he was really an SOB. Babe Ruth, yeah, he had, believe me, he threw dirt in the umpire's face. He was, but that was how baseball was. But I don't think Babe Ruth generally was like. No, baseball wants him. Right. That's, baseball still uh, wants him. Yeah, I don't I just, understand. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Just give him his, give him Babe Ruth day, which they don't really even talk about. Mm-hmm. But like, retire his number. No one should wear three. Come on, no one should wear three. Yeah, because everyone that wears three, you kind of know. Like, give, give me a break. Yeah. No one should wear the number three. It's just how it should be. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, we lost him kind of before, really before he should have died, way before. Yeah. But I think, I think was, did he have cancer? Uh, yeah, throat cancer. Yeah. It was only two months after he retired his number. Mm-hmm. So the Yankees got him, they got his number, gave him his his farewell, which was at the very least. Yeah. Other than that. I mean that's that's pretty much it. Um, we have here um, in two days Michael Bay's birthday. He'll be ninety. Um, yep. No, I'm just kidding. He'll On the be, inside, he'll be he'll be twenty five. So Mike's birthday will be actually the day we uh, we post us. So happy birthday to Mike, and hopefully he enjoys his day. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I'll try not to get. Um, too drunk or you know I do have work I mean I do work from home so there's that anything's possible popsicle that's true you're right and you know if it would have been two days earlier you'd have been born on the Babe Ruth thing and I probably would have beat it's not yeah you're probably right yeah you did it it's your fault (laughs) yeah I did this yeah so but uh yeah so Mike's birthday is coming up in two days so that's pretty cool yeah yeah thanks for that yeah, it's coming up on Wednesday, and uh, we'll celebrate it uh, that day, and maybe we'll have something going on the weekend. I'm not sure yet. I'm pretty whatever with my birthday. It's just like, <laughs> it's just you know, whatever whatever happens. Yeah, but, just get him a cheesesteak. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be all right. Yeah. Don't worry about me. Yeah. But that's kind of all I got for this episode. You know, we brought up the you know, Field of Dreams game. was awesome. I thought it was one of the be- better things that baseball's done in a while. Really great idea. Great execution. Uh, having uh, Kevin Costner come out and do the whole thing and have the players come out of the – Corn and the game itself was awesome. Uh, it didn't end as great for us as Yankee fans. It could have. It could have been one of the great wins for us. But um, still, uh, you know, I love Tim Anderson, the White Sox. So it was great. You know, great win for them, and and just a really storybook ending to the first Field of Dreams game. So that was awesome. And we've got playoff pushes coming. And and you know, like I said at the top of the show, just a great time in baseball. But overall, that's kind of kind of all I got for this episode. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I, I know the. The original Phil of Dreams, where it came from, was actually uh, about Shoeless Joe, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was the original of the book. 
so to see the White Sox kind of had a walk-off home run and the old kind of Shoeless Joe jerseys, and well, it just kind of seemed to all go together. Right. But, um, yeah, it was, it was great. So, other than that, that that's pretty much it. That's, that's all I got. Yeah. Then let's, uh, I guess if that's it, then let's wrap this one up. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can catch his podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLaPree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLaPree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.